Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer Every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Let me repeat just a portion of it. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason for the hope that is in you. Let us pause for a moment of prayer. Our Father and our God, we are grateful that we can share together in this time of morning worship. We thank you for the experience of the Sunday school hour and the blessing that we received from it. We thank you, Lord, for the presence of your spirit in our midst as we have worshipped you today prayer and singing in our offering, the joy that we receive from our special music. Now, Lord, we pray that this has all been designed and used to open our hearts, that the power of your Spirit might come to us in a very special way this morning. And before we leave, we would know why we're Christians. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I don't know if we're all prepared to do what Peter said. To be always ready to give an answer when we're asked as to why we have this hope we have or to translate it into the words that I've selected for the title, Why Be a Christian? Reverend David Poling, Daniel Poling, I should say, who has made a number of trips to China, came back from that country on one occasion with this story. He said that excuse me, that he had been given while on this particular trip a card that's called the Christian Endeavor Pledge. That pledge in part says this, trusting in the Lord Jesus for strength, I promise him that I shall always do whatever he would have me to do. Let me read it to you again. It's called the Christian Endeavor Pledge. Trusting in the Lord Jesus for strength, I promise him I shall always do whatever he would have me to do. He was handed this card with this statement printed on it. And on that card was a drop of blood. 
He stated that the story that he was told was that a particular young Chinese Christian boy had been given the challenge to renounce his belief in Jesus Christ or be executed in communist China. And the card gave its own response. For that young man had promised to trust in the Lord Jesus for strength. He said, I promise him that I will always do whatever he would have me to do. And his card had his blood on it. I'm always amazed by the stories of the early Christians, our forefathers, particularly in the early history of the church when thousands upon thousands of them gave their life because of their faith. Why did they do it? Why be a Christian? In today's world, there are still people who are giving their life for their faith. And you probably can think in recent history of some of those that you have heard of from the news media. But for the most part, people are not asked to die and give their life for their faith. I suspect that there's not one of us in this congregation who has ever been required to make that response. But does it make it any less necessary that we be prepared to answer to those who would ask us, why are we Christian? The world is rude and severe in its treatment of us short of perhaps putting us to death. The same challenge is there as was faced by this young Chinese boy or by those many thousands who died at the hands of ruthless non-Christian people throughout the centuries. The philosophy that we have in this world today that was mentioned in our Sunday school class this morning, and that is get all you can get while you're getting it because you only go around one time. And that's what the world believes. And unfortunately, it sinks in to the very fiber of the church. And sometimes our outlook on life is so little different from the outlook of the world in general that we perhaps are not identified as being different and as believing anything other than what the world believes. And our kids face this all the time in school when I heard it from my kids and I know I said it and, and so it goes. Everybody's doing it, why can't I? And I think we need a response. 
that has meaning to it. We dare challenge this spiritual indifferent world with a reason as to why we're Christian. That we're not cold secularists thinking only of what we can obtain for ourselves, what would satisfy our own welfare, but that we have a deeper purpose, a deeper philosophy, because we believe in somebody called Jesus Christ. And I think it's time that we as a church dare to challenge the philosophies of this world. And as we do so, we will have labels placed upon us and we'll be called strange, weirdos, and all the other things that seem to be thrown at us. But Peter, having gone through much challenge himself, said, to us to be always ready to give an answer to every man that asks us a reason for the hope that is in us. What do the critics say about us? Some say Christianity is like a drug. It stupefies people. Particularly the weak, the old, and women and children They say a real man doesn't need this thing called Christianity. And many men believe it because our churches have more women and children than they do men. And men have taken the attitude, it's not for me. Others would say it's like a poison that gets into your blood that they add that weakens a person. Let me tell you, I believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is somewhat like a poison in that it does get into our blood, but it doesn't make us weak. It makes us strong. And that the world can't see. That the same thing they're saying is making us weak. We're standing up and saying it makes us strong. Some say that Christianity is simply a Sunday hobby that few people do on Sunday like others go play golf or do other things. Some say it's simply a cultural luxury. It's nice, but you really don't need it. What do they say about this book that we call the Bible? I have had these words spoken directly to me that I think reflects the attitude of great numbers of people and that is it's simply a book of fiction that has no meaning. But to those same people who have given me that challenge I have asked them have you ever read it? And the response honestly has to be no. People who challenge the Bible will have to honestly admit they don't know what it contains. And sometimes we ourselves must hang our head in shame and admit that we don't know too much about it either. But it's our guidebook 
And from it we receive the inspiration that causes us to be willing to come on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and other times and stand together as a united group of people that might be weirdos and might be strange, but we don't mind being calling that being 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 called that because we believe in the content of this that speaks of a person that was coming and that has come and that will come again. And on that we stand firm. If we know why we're Christian. Others say of the church that it's nothing more than a sentimental group of people who are softies and have to get together in order to support each other. Well, I'll admit that we get together and we support each other, but I will deny that we're softies. Because in our unity we find strength and we're the greatest force this world has ever known. And we were established by one person called Jesus Christ. And he said the gates of hell shall not prevail against this body. You talk about strength. There it is. We're not people of, of weakness. And if we're not that, then all that we have been doing and all this building that we have done and the fact that we come together from time to time as a body of believers in Jesus Christ has been wasted energy. I believe that we call ourselves Christian because we believe in somebody and in we cannot do anything else but believe in him. We are committed fully and completely to believing in a person called Jesus Christ. Let me turn the question around for a moment. And maybe we ought to ask in return to those who are not Christian, why are you not a Christian? I suspect that those responses would be somewhat ambiguous and spluttering, and few would honestly answer the question. A pastor asked a man on one occasion why he was not a Christian, and the man was willing to be honest. And he said to the pastor, I'm going to be honest with you as to why I'm not a Christian. He said, I'm not a Christian because I'm not man enough to be a Christian. At least he was honest. All of this weak, fickle response, I'm not a Christian because I see Christian people doing things that I wouldn't do, is a cop-out. People are not Christian because they're not willing to commit themselves to a person to follow. They're not man enough to do it, or woman enough. Because to be a Christian as one ought to be a Christian requires the total commitment of himself to that individual. And we who are committed to him must ashamedly many, many times admit that we have not really fully committed ourselves to him as well. I believe that those who follow Jesus Christ are the brave and the strong, the wise and the heroes of this world. And in the end, it will be those people who will be successful and the Christian will fail, or the non-Christian, I should say, will fail. 
I want to say three things as to why I am a Christian. I'm going to use first person this morning, hoping that you will put yourself in the same statement. Number one, I am a Christian for my own self. What do I mean by that? I think life has meaning. But also, I think I am wise enough to realize that life has little meaning or perhaps no meaning without Jesus Christ as the head of my life. I've talked to enough people who are in despair and have witnessed enough suicides. I have not personally have seen them do it, but know that they've done and know the history behind those people to discover that those people find no value in life. Why live? There's nothing worth living for. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ made life meaningful. It has purpose. Secondly, I'm a Christian for myself because I believe that God has given me a chance to accept things right. Somebody, I don't know who, said that if there could be added one beatitude to the list that Jesus gave us, it ought to be, you know, that's the beatitudes of the blessed are that Jesus gave. Blessed are the meek, blessed, uh, they shall inherit the earth, and so on. That one should be added, and that is, blessed is he that gives us back our self-respect. He said that one probably ought to be added. What does that mean? There comes a time in all of our lives when we must realize that we have botched things up. That we have failed. It's really been a bungled up job. And if I could go back and set my life straight, how many times would I, would I have to change things? But I can't go back to those times of failure, to the times that I have been anything less than what God would have me to be. Life has been botched. But Jesus gives us an opportunity through his death on the cross to set things right. To get all of the old life washed away and forgotten about and have a new beginning. Listen, that's important. That we can come to a point in our lives when we admit that we have been failures and we can start all over again. That's what Zacchaeus did. Who was a man who had money and, and position. He was a tax collector, but he knew things wasn't right. And one day out of a sycamore tree, he jumped to the ground, a changed man, because of a person called Jesus Christ. Or Mary Magdalene, who had lived the most miserable life that anybody could live. She was a woman of the street and all that that involved. And one day she met Jesus Christ and she had a chance to start all over again and became the great follower that we know in the New Testament that stood out his tomb, outside his tomb and wept because she thought they had stolen his body. Or Nicodemus, who was a religious man, but yet his life was not right with God because he had not believed in the Son of God and he had a chance to start over again. There are many religious people who are unsaved because they, like Nicodemus, have believed in God. 
They know there is somebody out there called God, but they've never yet been willing to commit themselves, their life, to the Son of God. Listen, without commitment to the Son of God, there is no hope. There is no future. There is no eternal life. It must be commitment to this person we call Jesus Christ if there is to be meaning in life. But I want to be selfish for a moment. I tell you I am a Christian because I'm selfish to this point. And that is I know there is a heaven and I know there is a hell and I want to go to heaven. And I don't want to go to hell. But let me tell all of you this morning, as I'm sure you already know, but let me emphasize it. Only Christian people go to heaven. And by a Christian, I'm not talking about an organization. I'm talking about a personal commitment of one's life to one person called Jesus Christ. If you believe in heaven and you believe there's a hell, the only way that you're going to get to heaven is by committing yourself to Christ. The only way. This thing of heaven and hell is not a myth. It's reality. So in my selfishness, I'm a Christian because I want heaven and not hell when I die. Secondly, I'm a Christian because I think that I have an obligation to the world. And remember, I'm talking in the first term I here, hoping that you'll put yourself in this position, you as a Christian. We're living in a, a time in the history of this world when there has never been more corruption in high places, I suppose, than there is today. Who would ever have thought that a president of the United States would have resigned in uh, the, the situation that President Nixon resigned under? Whoever would have thought that we would be in the process of impeachment of one of our own state leaders? Who would have thought that we would have political leaders in jail that came out of the Nixon administration and other administrations that the way that they are? We have the attitude, and I'm not sure it's totally correct, but we don't trust politicians very far. You don't have to talk about politics very long until somebody says, if you're not corrupt when you go in, you're going to be corrupt when you come out. Well, I don't believe that because we've seen plenty of evidences where that hasn't happened. That's not totally true. But it simply puts uh, the thing in perspective that in the minds of the population, we don't have anybody we can trust. And we've had that same thing happen within the church in the past year or so when, when leaders of tremendous Christian organizations have fallen in, in shame and people look at the church and say that it's no better than any secular organization in the world that it has the same problems and unfortunately we do. 
But we have something to help us get over our problems and retain and regain our integrity if we will use it. Science and technology has come along and we have advanced and advanced. We drive our automobiles and uh, we used to walk and all of that. But all of these advancements that's supposed to be the utopia and solve all the problems of society and the world, we simply discover has created more problems. And so the, the uh, hazardous wastes that are being stored and have been stored for years in drums and buried in the ground that everybody forgot about has now become a real issue for our water supplies. Science has lied to us. We can't trust technology. For what is going to be good today is going to damage our grandchildren tomorrow. We laughed at the thing that was in the paper on April Fool's Day. And some of you got fooled well by that little front page, didn't you? You know, that Manchin's going to move to Madison and the water up, up here on, uh, where was it? Big Ugly, yes, up on Big Ugly has been contaminated and the communists have bought property along the, the corridor here and all those things. You, did you get swallowed into that? That was an April Fool's joke, by the way, if you don't know it. But it points to the, the story of the water contamination is not as fictitious as you might think. I deal with that nearly every day. Our waters are contaminated because of the technology of yesterday. Our air is polluted. You know what they say, uh, EPA has come out and said that eating is bad for your health, and it is. And they say, the air is polluted, don't breathe until further notice. That's what people have done to people. On the political scene, the scientific scene, the church scene, but listen, we believe in a person that is dependable that will not lead us astray and we will not be taken in by false promises and that person's name is Jesus Christ. We can accept and understand some of the human fallacies and we as Christian people need to be Christian to say to the world there's somebody we believe in that you ought to believe in that won't let you down. And I think that's an important reason for being a Christian. To stand up in society and be counted for something. And that something ought to be that we believe. And we're not ashamed of our belief. We believe that this world belongs to God. And we believe that we have a solid foundation to build our life on. And we believe that those who don't believe can be saved. And have security like we have. Lastly, let me say that I'm Christian. For the sake of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Mark 1035. He who saves his life shall lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake and the gospel the same shall find it. Jesus died for me. He died for you. The only reason that I have any hope for the future is what Jesus Christ did over 1900 years ago when he gave his life because he loved me and he loved you now listen anybody that loves us enough to die for us deserves some kind of commitment and what do we give him 
Sometimes just whatever's left over. I think that we can do nothing else but live for Him. Because He died for us. I think I owe Him my life. I think you owe Him yours. Howard Moffat was a medical missionary to Korea back in the 50s. In Seoul, Korea, 1950. The communists, another story of the same type, the communists had captured a Korean Christian and gave him the same ultimatum that I started out with, the Chinese young man, to renounce his faith or be executed. And this young man made this response, alive or dead, I am Jesus man. And I think that's the kind of commitment that we need to this person we call Jesus Christ. Whether we're alive or whether we're dead, we belong to Jesus. And we ought to be Christian for his sake. Following the teachings that he's given. Why am I a Christian? Because I belong to Jesus. He died for me. Now I must live for him. And I cannot do otherwise. Is that our commitment? Let us pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.